Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 7.37 in the morning. Thanks for uh, joining us on The Morning Run. I'm Julian, together with Joyce Go and Sharis Abdullah. And coming up in about half an hour's time is our bre- breakfast grill, where Sharis, you're going to speak with Tan Sek Kee, who's CEO of Bajaya Sompo Insurance. Yes, that's right. So um, uh, during the breakfast grill, what we, we spoke about a number of things. Uh, for an example, uh, what deterrification has done uh, to Bajaya Sompo, especially in the area of car insurance. Uh, definitely competition has uh, definitely gone stiffer and uh, we spoke about uh, you know Bajaya Sompo investing towards a digital transformation exploring different technologies telematics and so forth and uh, one one thing interesting in the um, interview is the discussion about how they are managing the fourth industrial revolution especially movement the movement of uh, insurance agents yeah but earlier on we're also talking about uh, the um, you know revolution with the agency once EPF move on to the EMIS system that's Tansin Kisi or Bajaya Sompo Insurance coming up on the breakfast grill after 8am. Um, Indonesia heads into elections on April 17th and uh, two people are running the incumbent uh, Joko Widodo, otherwise known as Jokowi, who is a reform-minded leader and also Prabowo Sobianto and a former lieutenant general uh, also going uh, for the um, elections. There have been a couple of Indonesian presidential debates, uh, and the debate is this, this. This debate is the second of five being scheduled. Yeah, this is a lovely, This has been a lively debate, which was good, considering that the first debate held last month was heavily criticized for being sort of staged and boring. That's probably due to the fact that election commission did not provide questions in advance uh, this time around. Well, the first debate was about law and human rights. The second one covered infrastructure, energy, agriculture, food, and environment. I think one of the most uh, most pressing issues was agriculture because both candidates have differing approaches. And I guess what um, everyone's looking into is that investors are said to be looking out for strategies on energy, food, infrastructure and environment. Um, that's right. And Prabowo's issue is that there is a lot of imports of agricultural corpse, uh, crops, and he says that this harms farmers. Now, we caught up with Keith Leong, head of research at the KRA Group, for his insights into the second presidential debates. He shared with us who, between the two candidates, he thought uh, came across as more convincing. They were very passionate, you know. The, the, the thing is that the issue of economics it, it's quite ironic because you know it's it, it's something that you know it's it's easily the most um, important issue out there. But um, it it's also something very technical, you know. So it's something that some people may not necessarily you know um, the nuts and bolts of it may not be something that that resonates with voters in in any country, you know. I, I guess in in a way they fired up both of their respective bases, but the decisive thing is is going to be how to sway the undecided voters in Indonesia. There's always a large contingent of them, you know, sometimes as many as twenty percent in some cases, you know. So that's I think what they need to work on in future debates, you know, swaying the not only firing up their base, but you know, swaying the undecided voters. We haven't quite seen that yet. One of the arguments was uh, resolving the country's agriculture and food issues, and both candidates had differing approaches. Prabowo was against the government's import policy, saying it hurts farmers, uh, farmers locally, while Widodo's stand was that it's about price stability and food security. Keith weighs in uh, whether Indonesia will be able to be agriculturally sufficient. 
Well, look, it's, it's a huge country, though. Know, the population is almost 260 million, more than that. You know, so food security is always going to be a big issue, you know, and it has always championed the idea that it has to be self-sufficient, you know, in food, but you know, also economically. You know, you know Asian countries, there's, there's a deep reverence for, the, for farmers, for the agrarian way of life. So I guess every candidate will champion the idea of food self-security. You know, even during President Suharto's time, you know, he considered making Indonesia rice, uh, self-sufficient in rice at that time, one of his greatest achievements. So I guess all candidates would, would champion that. Uh, the, the question really is how you how you implement it, how you execute it, what technology will help, you know, how do you cut red tape, how do you get local communities and governments involved, you know, so that's the, that's the key, I suppose. Prabowo has promised more populist measures in place if he were to be president, things like cutting electricity prices, ensuring producers and farmers will generate adequate income. So we asked Keith just how feasible these policies would be in the country's open economic system. It's a, it's a bit ironic that he's making such populist promises because, you know, one of the critiques that um, the anti-Jokowi camp has been advancing is that, you know, the, the debt levels of the country are rising unsustainably. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how a Prabowo government, you know, if, if it gets in, is proposing to pay for this. But but then, you know, it's, it's always easy for candidates in the opposition to to campaign on populist platforms, you know. And it, it's also a sign that the control of the cost of living is something that strikes a deep chord with voters. That That's why he's saying that thing. Whether or not he can execute it, you know, that it, once he gets into office, you know, that it's, it's another matter. But, but it, it, it's not surprising that he would campaign on that. Indonesia's relationship with ASEAN will be crucial for whoever wins. So we asked Keith who he thinks is more pro-foreign investor. I think you know all Indonesian presidents will will prioritize their country's own interests. You know, but, uh, but Indonesia it's a major force in ASEAN. So by dint of that, it will still also likely be a major player in ASEAN and its processes. Uh, the, the vote, it, it's more about the choice, you know, what, what face Indonesia wants to show to the world, you know, what they want to tell the world about themselves. That, that's what this vote defines. What, whatever the case, you know, Indonesia is a huge market, you know, that, and if foreign investors are serious about being in Southeast Asia, they, they can't afford to ignore it, you know. The, the key is, is for them to, you know, engage the local stakeholders, you know, both regulatory and civil society and the media, and show that you're serious about committing to it, you know, including facilitating employment, you know, creating value add and technology transfers. And that was Keith Leong, head of research with KRA Group, giving us his views on the second uh, Indonesian presidential debate held over the weekend. Uh, as another three debates will be scheduled uh, before voting day on April 17th. As it stands now, opinion polls uh, show that Jokowi is ahead of the majority of the country's 34 provinces and Prabowo will need to play catch up. Uh, and I think that's very interesting that uh, Keith says that uh, there are a lot of populist measures mm. uh, and this is very natural in all elections even though they mm. don't have the money to pay for those measures. Yeah, and we you know uh, it's important to highlight how uh, they are focusing on key you know, issues for example food security and so forth. Absolutely. Uh, from one ASEAN country we move into another yesterday Thailand's uh, fourth quarter GDP was announced a uh, 3.7 rise from a year ago uh, and this was up from a revised 3.2% for the whole of 2018 the economy expanded 4. 
4.1%. Yeah, and the economy grew at a faster rate than in the third quarter as local spending and demand helped offset a reduction in exports. The Thai, Nation, the Thai National Economic and Social Development Council expect growth uh, of between 35 and 4.5 this year. This would be driven by household spending, investment and also tourism. Well, private consumption and investment drove fourth quarter growth as exports were hit by a slowdown in global demand, US-China trade tensions and the strong currency. And also local demand had remained resilient. Thailand is facing heightened political risk ahead of an election, which could hurt sentiment and domestic investment. So the Bank of Thailand kept its benchmark rate unchanged this month after their first hike in seven years in December. The bank had said that its accommodative monetary policy would remain appropriate in the period ahead. Yeah, I think that uh, the trade tensions will affect every country in the world. Uh, Malaysia talks about it, Indonesia, Singapore. Uh, it's really true that when America sneezes, the rest of the world uh, catch, catches a cold. But specifically to Thailand as well, uh, there was that failed bid uh, from the princess to run uh, uh, run in the elections. And uh, we can see the machinations of uh, Thaksin, right, the fugitive businessman and ex-prime minister of Thailand as well, uh, doing the uh, pulling the all the p- puppet strings in the background as well yeah with all the uh, with the, with the uh, business uh, relying on domestic election coming up um, yeah there's there's uh, something to uh, be cautious about I guess okay um, we'll be looking into some local politics after this BFM 89.9 thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.